Welcome to the official Jets podcast powered by Amazon Web Services. Ethan Greenberg, Eric Allen, joined by the assistant GM of the New York Jets, Rex Hogan. Rex, thanks for joining us. Good to be here. Yeah, one of, the, one of the busiest men in the National Football League this week. Assistant <laughs> think, GM of the New York Jets. Are. Yeah, you know, what, what about how the process has maybe changed? Because it's a made-for-TV event now, the workouts, NFL Network televising these guys. Um, in prime time, and for years, I'd look for you guys, and at night, you would be actually doing uh, formal interviews. I got to imagine a lot of things are flipped for you. Mm -hmm. It's exactly what it is. It's been flipped. Um, early part of the week, it's pretty much the same schedule, uh, but just now we've changed it so that, like you said, the prime time, prime time schedule from 4 p.m. to 11 o'clock at night on Thursday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and then Sunday it will be starting at 2 and then go to probably 9 o'clock at night. So it's just different. We're having the interviews earlier in the morning now. And uh, yeah. on Wednesday, Thursday, today, it will be much more extended with the interviews throughout. So you just adjust to it. it it's part of it. it. You know, pressure's put on the players, too, in, in terms of that, having how the, where they've come from in terms of their preparation that they might have been getting up early in the morning. Mm -hmm. Now, all of a sudden, they've got to start training a little bit differently and preparing their bodies to be ready from that 4 o'clock to 11 o'clock window. I remember a few years ago in your first stint with the New York Jets, we sat in Lucas Oil watching some of the drills, and I said, what do you try to get out of this? And you said, what you're trying to see here is that what they do on the field validates the tape. Exactly, and it's part of the process. And We always call you each aspect of it is a certain piece of the puzzle, mm -hmm. and this is – Obviously a major piece of the puzzle, but uh, it, it's good because you can see them, you know, who the guys are kind of rise the cream to the top in terms of each one of the position groups from a competitive standpoint. And you, you just see those guys mm -hmm. kind of shine. And, and, when they, and when they get under the lights and it's a whole different situation for them, and all of a sudden you see, like, guys start to separate themselves. So if it's, say, a three-horse race, a receiver, a defensive back, the right. guy who's the best usually – kind of shows themselves. Yeah. I, I was also told once that it kind of the combine can break up the clusters to your point if there's like a group of guys that have similar grades maybe the combine helps set the order but I wanted to ask you about the interviews because now that the interviews are earlier and the bench press is going on right now behind yeah. us Let's go. so so if you hear <laughs> some, some other noise it's that um is there a different feel to the interviews being at a different time like I know the structure will remain the same but it is it at all different that the drills and everything comes later in the day and the first thing is the interview? Yeah, I think that'll be a little different for them because in the past, on the day that they work out, they don't have interviews in the morning. Right. But, so that'll be a little bit of something for them to adjust to. Uh, but they're traditionally the same you know, aspect in terms of you know, what we want to find out from them. For sure. In terms of their background, what they, they know in terms of football, their mm -hmm. football intelligence, type of system they were in, their ability to communicate what they played in and their football knowledge overall. March 18th, the start of free agency, you are the assistant general manager of the New York Jets. So not only are you getting ready for the draft in late April, you guys have 21 unrestricted free agents, yes. a couple RFAs, and, of course, you're looking elsewhere at expiring contracts. How do you go about making a board for the draft and making a board for free agency in terms of targets? Is it very similar? Yeah, we, yeah, so throughout the fall, we've going, we do a progress in, in terms of, you know, the college scouts are on the road. They're doing a great job of identifying the, the college prospects for us. But at the same time, the pro personnel department is doing the same thing. Mm -hmm. So we've got guys tagged and alerted mm -hmm. that, that 
that everybody knows, say this guy's going to be a UFA or an RFA, you know, potential cap cut. So somebody we need to know about. And so throughout the fall, those are, you know, those are taking priority in terms of what the, the pro scouts are looking at as well as their individual teams. So it kind of sets a board for us for when we go into our January meetings. And then, you know, we have our January meetings with pro, going to a pro personnel free agency meeting. We just had college scouts in for 11 days. And so they, we went over to the guys who were, you know, draft prospects, priority free agent prospects. So we're setting the board. But to make a long story short, it's a delicate balance between both. Yeah. And, you know, good thing we've got a, a great pro staff. we got a great college staff and, you know, helps us make our jobs easier in, in terms of, building up to the selection process in April. I talked to Joe Douglas about it yesterday. He said that during those draft meetings um, in February prior to coming here in Indianapolis, you guys have an initial board. Yeah, we do. We do. We, we've got the board initially set um, just from the, the scouts' grades that come in from the fall and, and from what, they, what they've what they seen. And, and usually there's some conflicting grades. And, and sure. so when we get together as a group, there's an opportunity for us to, to hear the reports and to watch tape as a group and collectively discuss, you know, hey, what do you see as strengths? What do you see as weaknesses? What do we Ultimately, what do we see this guy? What's his value for the Jets? And so it's good. It helps us have it aboard. You know, just an idea of going into it before we kind of mold it into to what we want as a group. What's this week been like for you coming back to Indianapolis, obviously where you lived and you used to be a part of the Colts. So what is it like for you to come back to this place? Yeah, it was a little surreal, you know, flying in. I was like, oh, man, I was in the transition back in June when I, when I left there mm-hmm. to, to come here. So I was other than moving out of my house in, in past July, that's the first time that I've been back. So. You know, it was like, ah, oh, felt like y- just yesterday, but at the same time felt like so long ago, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. So it was cool to be back. You know, I had some buddies from the old neighborhood come down and, and meet me for dinner the other mm-hmm. night. So always good to connect, man, seeing not only guys with the Colts, but, you know, stadium employees and other people around the city who you've seen and gotten to know mm-hmm. over the past two years. So I, good I, to connect. I know they are very different people, obviously, but maybe some similarities in approach between Chris Ballard and – Jets GM Joe Douglas, because when I think of the Colts and what you guys did there is you build it from the inside out. Yeah. You want it, And you guys formed maybe the best offensive line in all football. And now when you hear Joe talk, <laughs> says that's going to be an emphasis for us, not only this year, but moving forward forever long, I'm here. Yeah, absolutely. We've always talked about that in, in Indianapolis. And, I, you know, pretty much everywhere else does it as well. It's, hey, you got to build inside out. It starts with the front, makes life easier on the back end for both sides of the ball. So that's something we're going to continue to do here and develop within the, the Jets organization, develop within our, our roster in mm-hmm. terms of com- a competitive situation where we're constantly bringing in guys to push those those starters and potential starters and guys we can develop for down the road. So I just want to get into your background a little bit before you get going here because you're a very busy man as the assistant GM. (laughs) So, like, where were you, let's just say, 20 years ago this time of year? You probably did Notre Dame 20 years ago. 20 years ago I was at uh, Notre Dame. Uh, We had just uh, finished up uh, going at weird preparation, finishing up with uh, draft class and going into the offseason for 2000 season, which uh, turned out to be a great season for us. We Ended up going to the Fiesta Bowl, lost unfortunately, but yeah, 20 years ago was right after signing day, and you're already transitioned into the next class, and so yeah, it brings back good memories back in the stadium. <laughs> uh, what stands out to you yeah. most about your long run with the Chicago Bears, and maybe you could talk about 
uh, a couple of your mentors along the way, uh, namely Jerry Angelo. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I had gotten to know Jerry when I was at Notre Dame as a pro liaison, had a chance to come through and you kind of develop relationships with guys who, who want to talk about, you know, players and, hey, tell me a little about about this guy. What do you think about him? And so it kind of helps you, like, clear your mindset in terms of an evaluator at the college level and how we had to project from high school to college. You do the same thing in, in the NFL, projecting guys from college to the pros. But Jerry really helped me with that. You know, we had uh, a great run there. We had, went to the Super Bowl, lost to the Colts yeah. again. Ironically, yeah, right? Um, but, you know, and competed in the NFC Championship uh, second time, you know, after winning it on that year that we went to the Super Bowl. But, uh, man, it was a great run, great city, great time. We had a lot of great guys. Our, our college staff was, was awesome. We had, you know, Chris is now the general manager for, for the Colts. So had a really good group, a lot of good guys, man, a lot of good mentors helped me out and get into the league. How did your roles change over time there? Uh, you know, progressed from an area scout into a, a national scout going over to the top. Uh, not only west of the Mississippi for a few years and then east of the Mississippi, living in Nashville and my wife working at Vanderbilt, you know, southeast was always a, kind of a stronghold on college football. So I was able to, to stay there and live there and get a good balance of not only the SEC but all over the country. I love Nashville. Yeah, it's a great city. Great city, man. It was it was a lot of fun. We were there 12, 12 years, and my wife <laughs> yeah. worked there at Vanderbilt for 11, 11 years and uh, 11 seasons. Saw a lot of good football, college football players come through there. And, yeah. Jay Cutler was a quarterback for Vanderbilt at that point, yep. and then James Franklin came in and took over. They had a nice run as well. So we, had, we ended up having a lot of players on the, on the roster in Chicago from Vanderbilt. You know, <laughs> at one point we had Jay Cutler, uh, Chris Williams, Earl Bennett, DJ Moore, and Hunter Hillemeyer. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So nice group of guys and uh, starting players and played well for us. You played collegiately at Austin P. but yeah. what late what led you to Notre Dame because you mentioned Notre Dame to start here 20 years ago you were with the Fighting Irish and Urban Meyer but what, what, how did you land there yeah uh, networking more than anything else yeah I was I was working in the private business sector in Nashville and uh, was at the point where I was like man I don't want to do this for the rest of my life and <laughs> so called a, a guy who had a connection with a family friend had a, a, a guy who was an assistant athletic director within the athletic department and they were looking for an internship within the or for an intern within the athletic department and went up on an interview and guess did well enough to to get the job and started out you know the wages were small but the job was in my eyes was was huge and and it was a great you know opportunity i grew up a huge Notre Dame fan so I had a younger brother who was enrolled in school there at that point too so it was good my, my whole family grew up Notre Dame fans so it was kind of like a lifelong dream but what did you what did you do at Notre Dame it, it, for Urban and then later on you, you must have did a good job because yeah. when he went to Utah he said Rex come on I got another position for you yeah so <laughs> I, was, I was working in the recruiting and operations aspect there with the football team and uh now, Bob Davey was our head coach, and, and on that staff, we had a you know, tremendous staff. We had Urban Meyer, you know, head coach, and as well as he's done. Steve Adazio, who's been a head coach at Temple and Boston College, now at Colorado State. Dan Mullen was a graduate assistant, wow. now the head coach of Florida. And then uh, John Filippo was a graduate assistant who's gone on and been successful in the, in the NFL as an offensive coordinator and quarterback coach. So really good staff. And, uh, you know, had a good ability with with not only him but Greg Madison was another guy who served being a mentor in terms of evaluations and the way they saw players and so yeah Urban and I hit it off he went to Bowling Green uh, with Dan Mullen from that aspect he went for two years and then transitioned into the University of Utah so 
gave me an opportunity to go with him as director of operations and recruiting coordinator. So went out there before transitioned to Chicago. Yeah, did there. you think you're going to be in the college game for a while? Did yeah, you? yeah, I thought so. <laughs> but the the change in in the recruiting aspect and and Jerry Angelo, you know, made a great point to me. Hey, what do you, what do you want to do? See yourself doing five years from now? Yeah, you know. I see you light up when you start talking about player evaluations as opposed to the operations aspect. So he he was right on, spot on with it, and then uh, talked me into making the, the transition, making the change to, to the NFL. And 17 seasons later, man, it's been a great run. You know, you, go ahead, Chris. I was going to say, for somebody that's been in the college game, now the pro game, and you, you have so many different roles, and clearly you love football. Anyone that's sitting where you are as an assistant GM loves football. But what is it about – the sport that you just makes you that originally made you want to be a part of it and still to this day you love about it yeah it, it's the competition and the camaraderie and, and the relationships that you build mm -hmm. uh, because it's everybody you know it's a very unique sport as we all know that you know there's 11 guys in, in one common goal of, of winning and you know it's so much different from the basketball from baseball that you can have some individual you know accolades in terms of performance and a one guy can carry five guys in basketball but it's tough for one guy to carry 11 in football but more than anything else i, I think it's the common goal and the common drive that it's winning above everything mm -hmm. when you get down to it and if everybody's focused on that and has a competitive drive and a passion for it then everything's going to you know, progress well for you what in terms you of your organization. Rex, what do you think about this group that you're working with now? Uh, uh, Joe up at the top, but then Chad Alexander, we talked to him yesterday. Um, Phil Savage and the experience he brings to the team. John Carr. I mean, we can go to the pro side and talk about uh, Greg Najma. But yeah. what, what can you what can you say about these guys behind the scenes? Yeah. I, I mean, because Joe obviously at the forefront. Yeah, it's a it's a great group, man. We've, uh, you know, I knew everybody previously from being on the road, and you know, the scouting community is a small world when you get out on the road and you make school visits and you develop relationships and along the way, and you know, I got to know Joe, I got to know Chad, I got to know Phil. Um, didn't really know Greg until I, my first run run with the Jets, but uh, it, it's been great, man. You know, the three guys who we talked about first, they each one of them has over 20 years of experience in the NFL. And they were all in Baltimore and had won Super Bowls. And Joe's transitioned from, you know, Baltimore went to Chicago before he went to Philly and won another Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. So, you know, just leaning on those guys and their perspective of how they did it, how they won Super Bowls. And hopefully collectively as a group we can bring all that together and mean good things for the Jets down the road. You know, real quick before we let you go, You've been on the road a lot. What's your go-to snack? <laughs> uh, almonds or cashews or protein bars. Okay, fair yeah. enough. Yeah. Uh, that's all. That's all protein. That, that, that's the EA diet. <laughs> yeah, no, I yeah. like that. Um, so, you excited for what's ahead over the next uh, couple months here? Is, uh, before you know it, you're going to be back. You're going to have your final free agency meetings, and you're going to be hosting people, talking to people, negotiating, and yeah. Uh, filling some holes because Joe said right. it clearly hey listen we got some holes to fill we know that and we're going to attack them but we're not going to be reckless with our decisions and then I got to imagine you and your position would echo the sentiments as maybe free agency is where you plug those holes so you never want to go into a draft where you're reaching for a need right it, but 21 uh, 21 UFAs like you talked about and three RFAs that's you know 24 spots yep. that, that you're going to have to take care of through free agencies is going to be tough we've got we have eight draft picks so you know not only that then, then we also have the you know undrafted free agents after 
the draft as well yeah, sure. in, in terms of guys to add to to our roster and the competition to add. So, yeah, it's it's a it's an awesome awesome moment when you sit down and think about it. You're like, man, we got a chance to turn this roster over and to add add new life, younger younger players, guys that are going to contribute and, and make us better as a team. So it's really exciting. We talk about it as a group all the time. Of hey, each day we've got to go out and look for Jets. How how nice of a feeling is it? to come to Indianapolis, and uh, the quarterbacks always drive things. It, it, with the Colts, you guys had Andrew Luck for a while, so you knew you were set there. Now you have a quarterback in Sam Darnold, a Sunday player who's just 22 years old. How nice is it to be in that position as you try to continue to build this team? Yeah, it's it's a comforting feeling, especially with 22 and, and Sam and, and how good he's been for us and how he's going to continue to get better. So. He's just scratching the surface in, in terms of what he can be as a player. Yeah, like you said, he's 22 years old. I think there's guys who are quarterbacks in this year's draft who are older. Joe Burrow is six months <laughs> older than Sam. Yeah, yeah. Right. So, you know, it, it's a very comforting fact to know that, that we can add pieces around him and build around him. We've got our, you know, franchise quarterback of the future. So, or currently, presently. So, we're going to continue to build around him. So, yeah, it's a, it's a great feeling to have, and we'll just add pieces. All right, Rex. Well, thanks for coming on the official yeah, Jet man. Podcast powered by Amazon Web Services. Now we'll Appreciate see him running down the hallway. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we'll see you do your 40-yard <laughs> yeah. dash down the skywalk here. Oh, yeah, in forever. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, Rex. Thanks, Appreciate Rex. it, guys. Thanks.